The Lord be with you. And also with you. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Well, beloved, we welcome you to this service of worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome, we solicit your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry in our midst, and as the spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. Upon this Christmas Sunday, as is our custom, prior to the final carol, we shall welcome into formal and uh, public witness to membership those who in the Marsh chapter would like so to affiliate today. And you may be prepared to do so, and you may be moved in this service to do so, and in either case, just before the last carol, we welcome you forward. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
May we pray together. Purify our conscience, almighty God, by your daily visitation, that your Son, Jesus Christ, at his coming, may find in us a mansion prepared for himself, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, at this Christmas season, we remember the poetry of Howard Thurman when the song of the angels is stilled and the star in the sky is gone and the kings and princes are home and the shepherds are back with their flocks. Then the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to visit the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to make music in the heart. As our choir guides us, may we in confession and prayer consider the deeds and, and, and words of the week past and the deeds and the words of the week to come under the aspect of gentleness. Let us pray. Near us, Lord Jesus, we ask thee to stay close by us forever and love us, we pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. Beloved, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Romans, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the gospel concerning his Son, who was descended from David according to the flesh 
and was declared to be Son of God, with power according to the spirit of holiness, by resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for the sake of his name, including yourselves who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading lines from Psalm 80 with the Antiphon.
Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth in the presence of Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with your bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us the scorn of our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. But let your hand be upon those of your right hand, the ones whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we will never turn back from you. Give us life and we will call on your name. Restore us, O Lord, God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Now please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of Away in a Manger. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Glory, Glory to, you, to you, O Lord. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, 
but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. be seated. But we were gentle among you, like a nurse tenderly caring for her own children, 1 Thessalonians 2 and 7. Beloved, the birth of Christ places before us a new possibility. We can live in a new way. Christ is alive and goes before us to show and share what love can do. This is a day of new beginnings. Our God is making all things new. You can continue to live in the old way, or you can live and lead a different life beginning at noon today. Paul of Tarsus rarely is mentioned at Christmas. He introduces himself this morning to the Romans and to us in our first lesson, Romans 1. He never saw Jesus and knew almost nothing of the birth or of birth. Of Christmas, he says, only born of woman, born under the law, Galatians 4, 4. Jesus' birth, a human birth, still in the dark shadow of religion, according to Paul. Paul is our earliest, best witness to the primitive Christian church, yet he says nothing about any of the things we take for granted in this season. Mary, Joseph, Manger, Bethlehem, shepherds, kings, Herod, Rachel weeping. In fact, I have ruminated a little about how Paul might have approached our reading from Matthew 1, 18 to 25. 
composed some 30 years after Paul's own legendary death in the Roman Colosseum. How would the celibate rabbi have thought about Mary and such a complicated birth? How would the patriarchal first century Jew have thought about the authority vested here in women? How would Paul have interpreted Mary's calling, vocation, blessing, and authority? More basically, more biologically, how would a man like Paul have connected, if at all, with the multiple nursery scenes found in the first three Gospels? You will admit, if pressed, that there are few things more bemusing than listening to men talk about childbirth. All the Gospels and almost 2,000 years of Christmas sermons fall beneath this judgment. What do we know about it? And Paul, how can men, how could Paul, possibly fathom the pain, change, and transformation of childbirth, especially when this birth is not just birth, but incarnation? Paul has had a hard ride over the last 50 years. In an age of civil rights, his common first century passive acceptance of slavery in Philemon has not gone unnoticed. In an age of revolution in the status and role of women, his direction to the Corinthians, albeit truly a matter of order, not gender, that women should not speak in public has not gone unnoticed. In an age of gradual acceptance of gay rights, his flat rejection of homosexuality in Romans 1 has not gone unnoticed. In an age of fuller acquaintance with the abuses of power, his later command to the Roman church to be subject to governing authorities has not gone unnoticed. In an age of democracy, dialogue, and vote, Paul's apostolic authoritarian claim to have the mind of Christ has not gone unnoticed. In short, Paul has been persona non grata for 50 years, and particularly at Christmas. From one angle, he is seen as a confederate, chauvinist, homophobic, patriarchal, authoritarian, hierarchical Tory crank. Which brings us to Christmas 2013, and the stunning news that Paul, more than all, gets it. Hear his self-introduction from Romans 1 today, and behold, Paul understands the gentle Christmas gospel. Better than virtually any other piece of the New Testament, Paul names the gentle Christmas gospel with utter precision in another of his letters, his earliest, 1 Thessalonians 2 and 7. We were gentle among you, gentle as a nurse. I bring this up on Christmas Sunday to spank out a claim on you. If Paul can get it, if Paul can receive the grace of Christmas, there is hope for everybody, even me, even you, especially for you this morning if you feel at some distance from Christmas, the Christmas traditions, the old stories, the church's habits and patterns, especially if you feel that is a little on the outside especially of all this imagery. Shepherds, kings, Mary, Herod, the Baptist does not appeal to you, and you feel a bit, well, outdoors. Actually, in the main, Christmas is all about God's love for the outside. In this earliest piece of our New Testament, 1 Thessalonians, he describes his happy relationship with one of his first churches, and Paul offers us a hint and glimpse of the Christmas gospel. It is testimony that we can live, you can live, in a new way. This 
same Paul has been given the grace to live in a new way and to show others the same. The spirit of the risen Christ has changed Paul. From Pharisee to freedom, writer, freedom fighter, from inquisitor to preacher, from religion to faith, from law to gospel, grace, freedom, love, forgiveness, acceptance, gospel. He has been given the wings of the morning. There is no other way to interpret his self-designation, a Christmas name tag, if there ever was one, here in 1 Thessalonians. Paul refers to himself and his way of living as gentle as a nurse. Gentle? Paul? Apparently so, at least now and then. And then nurse? The word does not refer to white gowns, medical degrees, stethoscopes, or medications. It means the other kind of nurse and nursing the nurse maid. We learn this even without reference to the Greek from the rest of the verse, a nurse caring for her children. The word apion means wet nurse or nursing mother. And the image so jarred one early copier that he added an extra letter to one text to clean it up and change the meaning. Paul is staggeringly clear here. He describes himself as living like a wet nurse. Paul, that is, is referring to his own new way of living as a kind of nursing, intimate, physical, personal, vulnerable, self-giving, as in nursing a child. I find this astounding, that one who could say of his opponents in Galatia that they should castrate themselves surely a remnant of the old Paul, could understand himself by analogy with a mother and child in the moment of nursing. If the birth of Christ can move Paul that far, how much more can Christmas do for you and me? A generation ago, I discovered James Clark had a similar insight. He wrote, here is conversion in great might, it's easy to think of Paul as the missionary who made Europe and Asia his parish and lifted Christianity out of its Palestinian cradle, as the warrior who fought the good fight of faith and whose sword seldom rested in its scabbard, as the statesman who conceived vastly and executed daringly, as the theologian who handled the huge imponderables and grand peculiarities of the faith with ease and judgment, as the personality, powerful and decisive, who cut his signature deeply into the life of his time, and beside whom his contemporaries were but dwarfs, as the mystic who beheld the faraway hills of silence and wonder and whose great theme was union with Christ. But it strains the imagination to picture him who was so imperious in the gentle and the tender role of nursemaid. Truly, there is no limit to the converting power of God in Jesus Christ, he wrote. Brother Clark climbs only half the mountain. Yes, it does astound our imaginations to picture Paul as a mother with a child at the breast. What is doubly astounding, however, is to realize, fully to intuit, that Paul deeply understood himself this way. That Paul, at his most converted, could see life in a new way, a radically new way, as different from all he had lived before different as a nursemaid, is different from an imperious religionist. 
Paul probably did not know the account in our reading from Matthew 1 today with its picture of Mary and Jesus or its siblings in the other Gospels. He may not have had any more idea than we do about the exact nature and detail of these birth narratives. I confess that I think he would have been somewhat surprised by their imaginative peculiarity. But the meaning of Christmas, he fully knows. He gets it. And you may too, especially if you are not easily or closely enthralled by magic stories, birth miracles, speaking wombs, nursery rhymes, and angel voices. Paul hears the truth of it all, and his life changes. And yours can too. Paul may not have known the Christmas stories we do, but his pastoral life embodied the incarnate love of God in Christ, physical, intimate, personal, vulnerable, self-giving, gentle as a nursemaid. And yours can too. You can live in a new way. You can. It is the way of the turned cheek, the offered cloak, the second mile, It is the way of love for those who are not lovely. It is the way of love of enemies. It is the way of forbearance. It is the way of tender-hearted forgiveness. It is the way of prayer for those who persecute. It is the way of God who is kind to God's children, including the ungrateful and the selfish, gentle as a nurse. In a year of violence past, we may be ready to hear this Christmas gospel, gentle Christmas, after Newtown, after Marathon Monday, after Syria, after a long train and strain of losses, personal and private, to you and your loved ones. Christmas gives birth to the daily, very real possibility starting again for us at noon. The real potential that you can live in a new way. Christmas gives birth to the life and death decision for or against Jesus, for or against the new path, as opposed to the old. And if Paul can get it, all can get it. This is the change that God works, that God works in the human heart. The same God who said, Let light shine out of darkness. It is the gift of faith. Faith is a gift. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. What do you hear? We live in an age of violence, even global and extreme violence, but this is Christmas. And with Matthew, we may marvel at the mystery of Christ. And with Paul, we may practice the partnership of the gospel, living as gentle as a nurse with her children. We can live, you can live, in a new way. The world does not lack for promise, but only for a sense of promise. First, we can live as those who look forward to a gentler world community in this year, 2013 of unspeakable violence. We can afford, we are driven, to listen again to the strange language of the Bible 
and of the apostle to the Gentiles. I mean all of us here this morning, liberal and conservative, hawk and dove. I mean all listening this morning, liberal and conservative, hawk and dove. We can all share the horizon of hope for peace on earth, goodwill to all. We can look out for ways to soften the collisions that will come in our time. We know about life riddled with endless contention and intractable difference. Collisions are virtually inevitable, but they can be softened. Our guide here is the great British philosopher Isaiah Berlin who wrote, collisions, even if they cannot be avoided, can be softened. Claims can be balanced, compromises can be reached. In concrete situations, not every claim is of equal force. So much liberty, so much equality, so much for sharp moral condemnation, so much for understanding a given situation, so much for the full force of law, and so much for the prerogative of mercy, for feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, healing the sick, sheltering the homeless. Priorities never final and absolute must be established. Of course, social or political collisions will take place. The mere conflict of positive values alone makes this unavoidable. But they can be minimized by promoting and preserving an ease, uneasy equilibrium which is constantly threatened and in constant need of repair. That is, alone is the precondition for decent societies and morally acceptable behavior. Otherwise, we are bound to lose our way. A little dull as a solution, you say? Yet there is much truth in this view. Second, more than you know, dear disciple, dear future disciple, you transform the culture around you with every act, every choice. We saw recently several hundred, hundred people stand without command to honor the Hallelujah Chorus. I judge that most do not darken the door of a church, yet they came to worship the Messiah in their own secular way, the babe, the son of Mary. And they heard the song. Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill made low. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, and blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him. So we receive Christ. Here is a door held. There is a criticism softened. Here is a preparation made. There is a courtesy extended. Here is a listening ear. There is a gesture of welcome. As we follow our course in life, let us not become coarse. I remember a Christmas more than 30 years ago when Jan and I were even younger than we are today. And we lived in New York City. And Lily Tomlin produced a single actor play. But one night a street person stumbled into the theater and was treated roughly by the audience. And she stopped the performance and made the paper the next day by guiding the man to center stage and quietly addressing the audience, let me introduce you 
to a fellow human being. A gentle act. May your life embody a gentle Christmas, a gentle act this Christmas, like Bishop Carcano offering a job yesterday to the Reverend Frank Schaefer against a backdrop of almost completely passive silence from her superintending colleagues. Like Dr. Thomas Frank's recent gentle letter to the same circle. Like the Reverend Dr. Dean Snyder's decade of gentle leadership at Foundry Church, Washington, D.C., including a special moment this morning. Like the gentle invitation we continue to make for a global national regional conference at Marsh Chapel, May 22nd, 10 a.m., mark your calendar, May 22nd, 10 a.m., five months from today. Not an annual conference, but an actual conference. At our best, Marsh Chapel and this community both set a fine example, you do, of, a, of acculturated gentleness, gentility. That is a compliment, by the way, just so you know. It's not just what you do that counts, it's how you do it, wrote Kierkegaard. That is, at our best, we can live together, watching over one another in love and treating one another, well, as gently as a nursemaid, men and women both. I can be even more personal. The Christmas gospel, gentle Christmas, in its Pauline cast directs me as a minister, gives me the courage to be a pastoral administrator and to be so with gentle care. Now I will admit that the phrase pastoral administrator is something of an oxymoron, two words that contradict each other, like jumbo shrimp or United Methodist. <laughs> Either you are pastoral or you are administrative, we say tender or tough. But here is Paul, the great tough apostle to the Gentiles, taken to the lash 39 times, identifying his way of being with that of a woman, a tender mother, breastfeeding her kids. That means time spent. That means some tolerance for untidiness. It means a willingness to admit imperfection, some fruitful, slobbery sloppiness. It means a habit of being that is more rounded than rectangular, more organic than engineered, more maternal than mechanical. That means not to worry when things aren't perfect and not to listen when others want them immediately perfect. Life is messy. Community life, particularly messy. That means a willingness to go the second mile and the third as you would for an infant. That means risking getting bitten. That means burping, wiping, and holding. And especially that means a fierce focus on the future of now young life. That sounds like Christmas work, hard work, manger work, nursery work, new creation work. Third, Christmas too can become a season as gentle as a nurse. Someone wrote recently mimicking Paul, mimicking 1 Corinthians 13, 
If I decorate my house perfectly with plaid bows, strands of twinkling lights and all, but do not show love to my family, I'm just another decorator. If I slave away in the kitchen, baking dozens of Christmas cookies, preparing gourmet meals, and arranging a beautifully adorned table at mealtime, but do not show love to my family, I'm just another cook. If I work at the soup kitchen, carol in the nursing home, and give all that I have to charity, but do not show love to my family, it profits me nothing. If I trim the spruce with shimmering angels and crocheted snowflakes, attend myriad holiday parties and sing in the choir's cantata, but do not focus on Christ, I have missed a point. Love stops cooking to hug the child. Love sets aside decorating to kiss the spouse. Love is kind even when harried and tired. Love doesn't envy another's home that has more Christmas china and table linens. Love doesn't yell at the kids to get out of the way, but is thankful they are there to be in the way. Love bears, believes, hopes, endures all things. Love never ends. Video games will break, pearl necklaces will be lost, golf clubs will rust. Even that new motorboat that someone might give you will one day retire. But the gift of love never fails. Beloved, this is the spiritual change that God and that God alone in the gift of faith works in the human heart. Born to raise us from the earth. Born to give us second birth. What do you hear? Here are the birth pangs of the new creation. Are you ready to live in a new way beginning at noon today? For their parts, the ancients were caught off guard, and so the kings meandered and the shepherds shuddered and the cattle were low and lowing. There was no ready expectation of Jesus, such a poor Messiah. No, there was no prepared expectation for God touching earth in a manger. We shall quote him for once. A smoking cradle, said Karl Barth, is all we have at Christmas. How about you? Are you ready for Christmas? For a gentle Christmas.
Come all ye faithful, let us prepare our hearts for prayer. As you prepare your heart and mind, you may remain standing, come forward to kneel at the altar rail, or sit. We welcome you to pray in the way that the Spirit moves you. Lord God of hosts, as a people of faith, we come before you joyfully and triumphantly to offer our thanks and praise. Thank you, holy God, for the gift of salvation, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for your steadfast love and faithfulness, for you are the one who changes not, the one who was and is and evermore will be. We thank you for the word made flesh, for through Christ we know you, and we know that through him salvation and forgiveness of sins are possible. With love and awe, we embrace you for loving us so dearly. We give glory and praise to this promise fulfilled, and we look forward to the day when he comes again. Jesus, to thee all glory is given. God of grace, abide with us. Be with those who service whose call to service keeps them away from their loved ones. We pray for those around the world who suffer injustice, the violence of war, and the apathy of their governments. We pray for the leaders of our country as well as leaders around the world. God of compassion, give strength and courage to those in the shadow of death. We pray for those at eternal rest, and we ask that you comfort the friends and loved ones who grieve them. For the anxious, we ask for the peace of your presence. We pray for the sick and those undergoing medical procedures. Stand beside their caregivers, guiding their hands and focusing their minds. In exultation, we sing, O come, let us adore thee, and yet we fail you. We confess our sins, for we have not loved as you have taught us, and we have strayed from the path of peace. God of grace, we humbly ask for your forgiveness. Willingly, we pray for the Holy Spirit to cleanse our hearts so that we may adore thee, Lord, by using our talents to nourish those who hunger for food, shelter, knowledge, acceptance, a kind word, or a gentle act. Renew a right spirit within us so that we reflect your love with compassion and patience. We call on you, O God, for you will answer us. Give ear to us and hear our prayers, 
for we offer them in the name of the Son of the Father, begotten, not created. Amen. Now as a community of faith, we let us pray together the prayer that Emmanuel taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel and encourage you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbors so that we can get to know you better throughout the coming week. We note that uh, while the university is closed beginning on Tuesday afternoon uh, for intercession, Marsh Chapel is still here. In fact, we are having two services on Christmas Eve this year, one at 12.30 and uh, one at, sorry, one at 12 and one at 7.30 on Christmas Eve. We hope you will join us for one or the other or both of those. And we are here every, su every Sunday uh, until, cl until classes resume. So we hope you can join us on Sunday mornings as well. Following the service, uh, you may want to pick up a copy of Carols from Marsh Chapel in the Narthex, see Ray Bouchard, and $10 will get you a copy of our CD, including lessons and carols uh, over the past several years from here at Marsh Chapel. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, please meditate on John Tavener's setting of William Blake's poem, The Lamb. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
gracious God, we bring these gifts before you with humble, compassionate hearts. We pray that these, our Christmas offerings, might be a blessing to our world and that they would show your generosity and abundant love. In the name of the Holy, we pray. Amen. Well, beloved, I invite Rachel Cape, our senior staff coordinator, and Sandra Cole, our membership secretary, to come, and Susan Medell to come forward, and any others who are so moved in a public and official and formal way to affiliate with Marsh Chapel, we invite you forward this day and on other days in the year to come. Congregation, please turn to page 38 in the Methodist hymnal before us. Suzanne, I ask you, do you intend to walk in friendship with God and your neighbor? Will you support Marsh Chapel with your prayers, presence, gifts, and service? I will. will you receive the welcome, hospitality, friendship, and love of this community? Then we happily receive you into full and formal membership. I direct the congregation to the bottom of page 38. Please change United Methodist Church to Marsh Chapel Chapter. Members of the household of God, I commend Susan Bedell to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase her faith, confirm her hope, and perfect her in love. Together, we give thanks for all that God has already given you. And we welcome you and you as members together with you in the body of Christ and this congregation of Marsh Chapel. We renew our covenant of faith to participate in the ministry of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God will be glorified through Jesus Christ.
benediction, our Thurman Choir meets right after church to prepare to sing two anthems for Christmas Eve. You are all invited, if you're here for Christmas Eve and would like to sing with us, join us at 1230, and then again Christmas Eve, two carols to sing together. I wanted to do that off the air. So. <laughs> Thank you, Scott, for your invitation, and more so for the fine creation, the new creation of the, of the Thurman Choir. A word of benediction, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever.